Um, good morning. My name is Joe Cates. I'm the minister here at Memorial United Methodist, and we're so grateful that you're here. Before I start with the announcements, I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand if you have a prayer concern that you would like to share with our church. If you raise your hand, you'll be given a note card, and um, we ask that you simply print and print very legibly, and um, they will be prayed over in this service and also in our Tuesday prayer group. Uh, so if you would like to share your prayer concern with our service, please raise your hand and a note card will be given to you. Uh, number one, exploring membership classes. We uh, want to make a big emphasis on hospitality. We want you to feel welcome here at Memorial. We have snacks and we have coffee and we have restrooms. If you have children, they're welcome uh, to come forward for the children's sermon. We have programming uh, uh, during the service, uh, after the children's sermon for your children if they would like to attend. And uh, to say a little bit about that, I'm going to call on Leanna. Leanna is our interim children's director. Good morning. My name is Leanna Morris. Um, in the back, we have our planning center check-in station, and it's for our children's Sunday school classes. And this morning, we're checking in any preschoolers that are going to Sunday school, and we're going to do the K-5 and first grade Sunday school class. So if you have a K-5 or first grader, before you take them upstairs to Sunday school, I'd love for you to check them in with me in the back. Thank you. Thank you, Leanna. If you are considering joining our church, the next opportunity to join with a big crowd is May 15th. It's going to be in both worship services. Please put that date on your calendar if you've been coming to our classes uh, or if you plan to come next Sunday would be our next Exploring Membership class. We meet on the first Sunday of every month at 10 o'clock in the social hall, which is right there and you meet some other friendly faces uh, who are just recently coming or have recently joined. You might notice the people behind me are a little different than the normal people that are behind me, and uh, Cindy is going to introduce them. I'll tell you while they come, uh, uh, before she introduces them, I read an article the other day that said young uh, adults are more concerned, uh, less concerned with excellence in worship and more concerned with authenticity. So with that in mind. This morning, we are very blessed and grateful to have Authenticity um, joining us to do our worship music. They are from Anderson University, and um, we are welcoming four sophomores and two juniors in this group. They are part of a scholarship program there. Um, and Doug and Kelly Norwine are um, the leaders of this group. They are here um, helping make sure that everything is organized for you this morning. So if you will give them a warm welcome as you meet them this morning, and um, I will ask you to go ahead and stand and let's sing together. Oh 
together. Gracious God, we are so grateful to be able to come together this morning and worship your name. Thank you for giving the, us this amazing church family that we can be a part of. Thank you for the love and support that we can feel, feel in this room. And thank you for our music guests this morning that will help us to feel your love and your word. In God's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. that you 
you turn and greet those standing near you and children, you can come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. You guys look so good. I'm feeling summer too. I wore jeans and flip-flops. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Do you guys know about miracles? What? You do? Have you ever seen a miracle? What? Then what's a miracle? Something really good. A miracle is when God created us. Good job, Thomas. Something great has happened. Something only God can do. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, yes. Something God can see. Something God can see. Can we see it too? No. I bet we could. I'm going to tell you guys about a story. It's in Matthew, the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. And it's from the 14th chapter. I know you're not writing this down, but I'm just telling you anyway. Okay, so... It is a really cool story, and it's about food. You remember it, Tyler? Okay. It's about bread and fish. He, Jesus, made a lot of food for everybody. Do you remember how much food they had to start with? They had a little bit to start with. Do you remember how many people they had? 5,000. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here it is. So um, Jesus was, was doing his thing, and he and the disciples were traveling, and, um, oh, bless you. And then a, a crowd approached. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, which means it's really far away and not close to anything. I think it's where Miss Cindy lives. She lives in a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. The disciples wanted those people to go get themselves some food. They didn't want to be responsible for that. Okay, so Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then they said, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. So I brought half a loaf of like our bread today, right? 5,000 people. Oh, my goodness. All I am saying is that the ladies of this church, once this miracle occurred, would be whipping out their thank you notes, and they would be sending thank you notes because that is what we do to show our thanks to each other. Did you know that? Have you ever written a thank you note before? Well, I'm sure you will soon. So here's the deal. We can't write thank you notes to everybody that helps us, can we? No. Sometimes we don't even... God helps us and we can't write a thank you note to him. God helps us and we can't write a thank you note to him. Okay. So what should we do, Hattie? How do we show God that we're thankful 
if we can't write a thank you note to him? You don't know? Anybody know? <gasps> what is it? Maybe say our prayers to him. Was that what you were going to say? I think that's a great idea, Ava. What else? Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Have you ever heard the golden rule? Do unto others as you wish to be. Okay. You have that book. <laughs> so here's the deal. I think, actually I know, that God wants us to show love to each other. Do unto others as you wish to have done unto you. It's a lot of unto words, but it just basically means if you don't want somebody to be mean to you, don't be mean to them. Okay, hang on. i got to wrap this up. I'm taking way too long. Okay, so let's show each other love and let's be kind to each other. That's our way that we can say thank you to God and show God's love. What do you guys think about that? Is that kind of crazy? Okay, let's say a prayer. Are you ready? All right, dear God, thank you for five loaves of bread, two fish, and 5,000 people that were hungry. And thank you for the disciples who had the same thought that we do. But most of all, thank you for Jesus that showed his love by dying for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Throughout this month and next month, we have a special series where we invite um, leaders of particular agencies in our community that are helping the community in one way or another, either uh, through recovery or through um, housing or through food um, or um, power electric bill. And each time we have a speaker, I don't expect you to say, Okay, I'm going to go volunteer in these eight different things. Right now, I'm going to go be on the boards of these eight different things and do all of it. But I do expect you to hear each one of them and think, wow, there's a way that I can contribute um, to this community by helping a group that already has a mission and a purpose. And so today, our speaker is uh, somebody I've come to know uh, a good bit in a very short amount of time in my time here is Caroline Robertson. Caroline is the executive director at Greer Relief, and she's going to tell us a little bit about it. What a wonderful children's sermon to talk about Greer Leaf. So really, he said he was going to do some scripture and his message was really going to mirror what the organization does. And I think you've really hit it on the, on the head there. Um, for starters, I want to say thank you. Um, thank you to you guys for inviting me here today. But thank you to the support of this congregation and this church. For many, many years, you guys have been helping Greer Relief. In essence, helping the people that are sitting right beside you, your own neighbors. And I thank you very much because without your help, we could not do the work that we do. So thank you very much. 
um, and especially for your part in strengthening the service of our community of faithful disciples by lean, learning just a little bit more about Greer Relief today. Start at the beginning. Greer Relief was founded in 1936 by neighbors who saw neighbors freezing and starving. FDR called them the uplifters. They cared enough to make a difference 80 years ago, and we are continuing their mission today that every neighbor matters. The mission of Greer Relief is to prevent hunger and homelessness in the greater Greer area. Already in 2016, we've assisted 1,748 people in 776 households. And it's April what? <clears throat> Got some more facts and figures that we collect to make sure we're doing the work that we are supposed to be doing and also providing the programs that are needed for our community. But it is our neighbors and their personal stories that truly are the impact that makes us continue to do what we do and ask for your partnership in that process. Gribberly focuses on three main service deliveries. One is one access services. If you've ever come into the J. Vern Smith Center, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just Greer Relief. There are eight different organizations that are serving this community out of that one building, and we are just one of those organizations. <clears throat> People are receiving medical assistance, food. They're receiving financial assistance, nutrition education, job counseling, relationship intervention, and referrals for more safety net services, which of course is what we are known most for. That is preventing our neighbors from living on the street, preventing them from becoming hungry and not having enough food to eat. In many ways, America is the land of the plenty, but according to Feeding America, one in seven Americans' hunger is a reality. And right now, 20.5 million Americans live in extreme poverty. A family of four's cash income is about 11,000 a year. That's a family of four, not a single person, four people. And it's no different in Greer. In the last 10 years, Greer Relief has prevented homelessness by providing direct financial assistance to keep our neighbors in their homes, by providing rent, mortgage, and utilities to 6,768 households for a total of just over a million dollars. And that is you guys helping us do that. Because without the help of our neighbors and community partners, we couldn't do the work. Did you know if you, utilities are disconnected, it is grounds for eviction if somebody is renting? Adding resources is not just about money. It definitely helps, but it's bigger than that. For example, your help with this year's leadership career, class of 36, they're breaking <coughs> records over at the chamber by raising almost $20,000 to fund three projects for three organizations. Greer Relief will be receiving an eight by eight walk-in refrigerator. And you think, how is that gonna solve this? We receive perishable food all the time and we have to make it move, as we say. Just get it gone, get it out there, make sure the people, they walk away with plenty. Well, this way we're gonna actually be able to focus that and actually give that as part of our food boxes as we are distributing food to our neighbors who come in and need that help rather than just moving it. And the project has been expanded by Eagle Scout Nelson Sen to include an eight-foot gate and fence to keep the cooler secure. 
The third service we focus on is stabilizing services. This is a little newer to Greer Relief's service lineup. Just last week, Greer Relief wrapped up the 2016 VITA program. VITA is a free income tax preparation program that we have been operating in Greer for seven years now. <clears throat> Households making 54,000 or less were able to come in and get their taxes prepared for free. Almost 250 households came in between February 1st and last week, um, bringing this community just under $300,000 for free. In 2015, Greer Relief received a grant for a full-time volunteer to focus on time to develop and implement two new concept programs. The first new program is collaboration with Loaves and Fishes and Greer Community Ministries, because we do play nice with our friends in the Greer community. The Greer Food Co-op has been designed to serve anyone in need and do so in a way that promotes community, individual dignity, participation, and ownership of the co-op. The members are the owners. Individuals are eligible for membership if they are currently a neighbor in need from Greer Relief or Greer Community Ministry. So folks that are already plugged into our two organizations, one of our two organizations and if they have difficulty obtaining enough food for their household. The second new program is RENEW, an enrichment program reaching every neighbor every way. RENEW classes teach job, personal finance, life, and soft skills to anyone, yes, anyone, who wants to participate. Consider this your invitation to join us in RENEW classes. Sign-ups are available online or through Greer Relief in the intake office. Greer Renew is taking neighbors in need to neighbors who thrive. The impact of Greer Relief is clear. We assisted 3,927 people last year with one-stop safety net and stabilizing services. We've shifted with the community to focus to continue to be an impact. We self-assess, seek input, and assessment from outside partners, keep our ear to the ground for coming challenges and changes of all these efforts to make sure the programs we offer are better. Greer Relief is funded by United Way of Greenville County, United Way of the Piedmont, EFSP, Greer Commission of Public Works, Duke Energy, and of course the greater Greer community including Memorial United Methodist Church. <clears throat> Greer Relief programs support five, only five employees, but over 50 volunteers a month come in and make the work that we do possible. Because without those volunteers, there's no way we could help the numbers that come in and need our help. We're always looking for more neighbors who want to help make a difference, partner with other nonprofits in the community to band together, share resources, and enhance the impact. We have opportunities for volunteers, donors, and sponsors to get involved but I wanna leave you today with the challenge. <clears throat> the challenge is to pay attention because there is poverty all around us. And I'm not talking about the guy with the sign who tells you I need help. I'm talking about your neighbor who may sit next to you in church who received food from Greer Relief last week. Ask questions. What can I do? How can I help? Plug into the blessed community of resources that we do have in Greer for ways and places to help. Organize a food drive, collect coats and shoes, join a gleaning to pick produce for our neighbors, 
lead a job search for a renew session, find something to be passionate about, think outside the box. And lastly is to be a caring citizen, be compassionate and sensitive. It's hard to live in poverty with the stigma of being the poor family, the one with the old clothes, the one always asking for help. It's awkward. Again, be caring, compassionate, be sensitive, because when we help each other, we're helping ourselves. So thank you very much for having me here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Caroline. We have uh, two concerns that have been shared with us, or three, I should say. Uh, Mike Bays with bone cancer stem cell replacement last week and has two weeks of isolation and recovery to see if his immune system will recover. Martha Bennett with pancreatitis and Bob McQuaid uh, with his new news of prostate cancer that we can love and support them and pray for them. And those uh, that haven't been shared, let us share, let us pray. Father, is in your great mercy that we are gathered here today. We've already been inspired with songs, with proclamation, with prayer, with your children. And now we pray knowing that you are listening. As we hear a story that uh, many of us have heard a number of times, Help us not to flip a switch that we've understood it, but to hear it today with everything that we've seen already in mind. To hear it with the concern of resources and scarcity and fatigue and confusion. The ways in which we impede your ability to reach your people. Bless us as we read your text this morning, Lord. Bless those that we prayed for. Bless those in our hearts and minds. Inspire us as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before I get started, I want to say thank you um, to Cindy for making sure that the uh, Anderson group had everything that they needed as they came. I want to say thank you to Greg. Y'all ever see Greg running around doing all the stuff he's doing? That didn't happen this morning if Greg doesn't know how to work that, whatever any of that is, and make sure that it works out and make sure all of that works out. Um, I want to thank our video team because the Anderson Band was able to watch our concert and see what we were interested in because of people who faithfully record our service and, um, and load it up. And I want to thank you all uh, for your time and being here. Thank you. So we're looking at Matthew 14. You might have heard it. Verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. 
When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So the first thing I want you to note is when Jesus heard what? What caused Jesus to want downtime, to want isolation, to want quiet, to want to be away from all of these people? Very painful event. Uh, there's a dance, big party at the king's palace. The king's newly married. His marriage is uh, somewhat sketchy. And John the Baptist, who has uh, set the tone for Jesus, has told the king, that wasn't right. You shouldn't be married that way. You shouldn't be married to her. This relationship is uh, uh, not only can hurt you, but can hurt our nation and hurt our faith. The wife was not a fan of that and looked for an opportunity to eliminate him. Her daughter danced at the party and the king said, golly, you are amazing. I'll give you anything you want. And she's a kid. She doesn't know what she wants. She goes to her mother and she says to her mother, hey, what do I want? And her mother says, uh, we want John the Baptist gone. So she goes back to the king and she says, well, we want John the Baptist gone. So the king does it. A dear peer in Jesus' life, an important person who has set the tone, gone because of a whim of a king. And when you lose somebody that's in partnership and ministry with you in any way, it's very painful. I'll meet uh, for two days this week with the friends of mine that were all friends of uh, uh, Chris Barrett, who was a minister in Spartanburg that we lost earlier this spring. We'll get together to support with one another, to talk about it, to um, laugh as hard as we possibly can whenever we get together. And we'll remember, and that pain, everyone, you know, you're just kind of walking through life and all of a sudden it hits you and, and you know, it, it's like a punch, how painful it is. And that, while awful with illness, I would think this would be uh, infinitely more frightening because the king has eliminated a peer, someone who has set the tone for him. And Jesus now has to be the front runner. And with that knowledge and with that weight, he wants to go away. Y'all ever want to just go away from everybody? And what if everybody you'd ever heard of plus another 5,000 people followed you wherever you went when you just wanted to get away. Can I just get away for five seconds? How would you feel? Why are the people sick? Is the second question we need to be asking. Why are the people sick? And I've got a quote from you uh, from Warren Carter. He's a professor of New Testament in Texas. This is what he said. The world of first century Roman Empire was marked by significant inequalities concerning food access. Many people knew food insecurity and struggled on a daily and seasonal basis for adequate food and nutrition. There's something about getting sick when you've not gotten proper nutrition. When you haven't had enough food, when you haven't had enough of the right food, you tend to get sick. And so those people go to Jesus in that broken moment and he has compassion on them. Can't you see why he would think there's no point to this? 
The king who just does whatever he wants can eliminate me whenever he wants. And these people just want something. But in that moment of brokenness and fatigue, he reaches out and he heals the people. It's hard to focus on anything when you're hungry. I volunteered for three years at Thomas E. Kearns. It's an elementary school that looks down on Interstate 85 and was with a particular boy three straight years. Um, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And we would meet and talk about a concept, uh, and I could hang. I could hang with math with a third grader. It was starting to get tough in the fifth grade. We were going to switch over to English or something. But for the first 15 minutes, we would try to talk about the concept of the day before he ate, and he was hardly having it. And when he got, when it was time to eat and he got his meal, it was gone. And then all of a sudden, he was a little more engaged in what we were doing. It's really hard to focus when you're hungry, and not like it's been a little while since I've had a snack hungry. Real legitimate hunger. Verse 15 says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy themselves some food. This is a phrase that I love, in the middle of nowhere. We are in the middle of nowhere, Jesus. I know that we're learning a little bit, and I know that they love you and they're paying attention, but real logistical concerns are coming. This is the torture of my family of going with me anywhere. When we go anywhere, I have nothing to do with the event. I'm sitting around thinking, I wonder if there's enough seating here. I wonder if there's enough snacks here. I wonder if they know that that door is open. I wonder if this person knows, whatever. Because I'm so involved in events all the time, and if you call Sunday morning events, that I always want to get there early, and then I always give up my seat. It's, it's ridiculous behavior. And Katie, every once in a while, just pat me on the shoulder, on the leg, or grab my shirt. And say this isn't this isn't your thing, buddy. You don't have, you're not in charge. You don't have to worry about anything here. These people will be fine, and these event planners have put the time in. And so I can easily see myself looking at Jesus and saying, "We don't have enough food. This is the only thing they're going to remember. They're not going to remember the thing that you taught them. They're not going to remember that people were healed. They're just going to remember that there weren't enough snacks, and then that's all they're ever going to say." We went to this thing. What, what was it like with Jesus? There weren't enough snacks. That's the thing I would be concerned about. In the middle of nowhere, 12 disciples are terribly concerned about not having enough food. What's interesting about that is, you know, each gospel kind of has its thing. They all tell a similar story, but each gospel has a particular slant. And Matthew's is tying back to the Old Testament and saying, hey, you know, Jesus is new, and he's got new interpretations of classic concepts, but he ties back to the Old Testament in a way that you people who have followed God all these years, all through your ancestry, he's a continuation of that message. You know why? Where was Moses? With the people. Out in the wilderness. What was their primary concern? Food. How many tribes were there? Twelve. Jesus had 12 disciples and all those people, and they were concerned about the level of food. Moses had all those people out in the wilderness with 12 tribes, 
and they were concerned about food. What does this tell us? Humanity's number one concern is food. Food. 16 says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. What do you think his tone was right there? Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Who knows? Somewhere between those two. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. See any connection there? See any connection to the people of the Old Testament? The people of Israel who have been loved by God before they were born and driven by God to the place where they needed to be and fed by God with just enough, not crazy abundance, but just enough for them. Total connection of Jesus and his people and Moses and his people. They'd be inclined just to leave that stuff like we would. You ever see people taking a plate over to the trash can and it's about uh, 60% full? But they gathered that up too. Twelve basketfuls. So, unless we believe that we need God, unless we believe that we need God in order to make it, this story will not come true in our lives. We have to understand that God has been present with humanity and has provided for them daily, just as he does for us. Unless we believe that all people are worthy of being fed in the name of God. You ever think, what, those people? They probably don't do anything. Those people? They probably have enough. Those people? Who knows how much those people eat, and I'm not sure we had enough. We have enough. Unless we believe that everyone is worthy of food in the name of God, because that is what God has done since day one. Unless we believe in the power of the table, not only the table out there in the wilderness where he provided with the bread and the fish, but what did that language remind you of? When he looked up to heaven and he broke the bread, what does that remind you of? Communion. Further down the road, he'll sit with those same 12 disciples, those 12 disciples who will be in very different places when they get there and will be in very different places at his crucifixion and resurrection. Despite where they were mentally and physically, Jesus sat them around that table and offered them himself. It wasn't crazy abundant amounts of food. It was critical food that they desperately needed. Unless we believe that we are worthy and that we're accepted before we ever did anything so that we can then think, okay, well, perhaps other people are worthy and accepted before they do anything. Perhaps we shouldn't take it well, with no action on our part, and then give them a list of 12 things to do before they can have it. Unless we believe that we're accepted by God, 
unless we believe that we have more than enough. This is another critical thing. You know how hard it is to believe that you have more than enough? You just think there's all kinds of things that could happen. And we might need it. I mean, the guy that had an awesome crop, what did he want to do with it? Golly, this barn, this silo isn't big enough. Maybe we need an even bigger silo so that we can definitely have enough on our new elevated scale. Unless we believe that we need God, unless we believe that other people are worthy of being fed, unless we believe in the power of the table, unless we believe we have more than enough, we will not continue this story. But if we believe those things, we will support the people in our local community, in our region, in our state, in our nation, around the world, in the name of God. Let us pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stories that inspire us. We thank you for the nature of Jesus and how he reached out to the people. We thank you for an abundance of children in our service because they, not, they are not the future of our service. They're the present in your name. Bless us going forth from this place that every time we eat, we give thanks in your name and we consider those who do not have enough so that we may offer our abundance to them as you offered it to us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me in the modern affirmation. Particularly appropriate given our second song, which was also. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. It's now time for our offering. I want to give you a note about next week, and I'll put it on social media and in our emails to remind you. I'd like you to bring $2 for every member of your family next week uh, for two very important causes. One, every Mother's Day, every church, every United Methodist Church, collects $1 per person for Epworth Children's Home, which is in Columbia. helps um, kids who have broken... Uh, families get on their feet, get to school, and build a better life. And so that's um, $1. Another dollar is our conference is collecting money for Imagine No Malaria, which will give uh, uh, all sorts of resources to children in Africa to prevent them from getting malaria and mosquito bites in the, at night. So $2 per person next week. Thank you.
will you stand and let's worship together? Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Everybody sing. talented. Cindy will lock you up for next year. We'll go ahead and put you on the calendar right now and be done. Got them all amped up right before Sunday school. They're going to have to calm down a little bit. We're so grateful for y'all. Thank you. Uh, uh, y'all are great representatives of your school, and anytime I think of Anderson, I'm going to think of y'all. 